Welcome to Lives, a show exploring our experiences in the world and how we might live well. I'm Stuart Chittenden, and my guest today is the hip-hop artist Marcy Yates. In today's show, Yates shares his determination to grow as a musician and talks about the founding of Culture House as a creative community hub, especially during the 2020 protests after the deaths of George Floyd and James Scurlock. And Yates also talks about his own evolution as a leader. I just think you have to just step into who you are, the role you play. So that's what I do, you know? And I think it's the things that keep me humble. And for me, like, I never asked for much when I got here. So everything has been a bonus. You know what I mean? It's been a bonus. And it's it's so much greater when you don't have such high expectations. So I think this is what keeps me humble, man. It's just not having the highest expectations, but just having a lot of confidence. Today's show also features some of the music and beats produced by Yates. Support for this show comes from the Greater Omaha Chamber of Commerce. We don't coast, we accomplish more together. Details at omahachamber.org. Marcy Yates is a recording artist, music producer and sound engineer, and the founder of Culture House a creative art and community space where artists and entrepreneurs can grow, create opportunities, and enrich their own artistic talents. In addition to his award-winning solo work, Yates is one half of the duo Dilla Kids, and with collaborator Zoboy, winner of this year's Omaha Entertainment and Arts Awards Album of the Year for Culture House Freedom Summer. Marcy Yates, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I wanted to talk about music and I wanted to talk about Culture House. I also want to talk about community and I want to talk about you. And I think all of these threads intersect, but I wanted to start with music. I know that your grandfather was a pastor in the church and I know that you were active in the church, whether it's Bible study, choir, performances, that kind of thing. So I know that there was that part of music for you in your early life. How did music show up? first for you when you were growing up well yeah just like you said like growing up uh, on both sides of the family like my grandfathers were pastors so traditionally just in black culture right um african culture you know music call and response type uh song and dance performative arts has just always been um just like been in my life right from uh older aunties or uncles that could sing, what they just sung church. There, there was n- no one in the family that actually took music to a secular level, right? That's the words they would use. So yeah, you know, hip hop is secular or, or, you know, we'll call it like devil's music or whatnot. And um, that was like my first just introduction to it, right? I got into hip hop though. My older brother, he would just like play tapes I'd be at my grandpa's house and this is like after church. We'd be upstairs in the upstairs in the room and he'd come in and he had the tapes, you know, Wu Tang or Common or Black Star. I think that's how I gravitated to more more like uh instrumental music and jazzier, lo fi type East Coast underground, like 'cause that's what I was introduced to, but also, you know, churches in instruments, 
you know, so I like fell in love with drums. I wanted to play the drums in church, but I just wasn't good, right? I mean, this is before I be, this is before I became a, a, a beatsmith. You know what I mean? But you know, it's important though. Church is a really good starting ground. A lot of singers have come from there. A lot of musicians have come from there, just like historically, you know. So it's definitely a good starting ground to to get introduced to to music instruments and perform arts. How were you when you were growing up being exposed to and involved in and enjoying church-based music, mapping that, as it were, comparing that to what you were being exposed to outside of church, whether it was hip-hop or other forms of music that were attractive to you? Mm-hmm. So, you know, funny funny thing is that I, I didn't think that I would like I was always like kind of like the shy one. I always didn't kind of like step up. I didn't want to like do the solos. I didn't want to do the dances and routines and things like that. I was one of the ones who kind of just like sat on the side, you know, and I just watched and I observed. And that's just kind of how I always been like uh, almost like a copycat kind of, you know, like learner. I learned that about myself too. So I, I think that before I do things, I really sit back and I uh, absorb and see how, how it works. And then, kind of see like okay well if i were to do this how would i do it for for me right so i think like just taking the feel of of church music the gospel i've always like felt it to like my soul right like soul music and like you feel that in in, in church and in, in the singing and the piano chords or the organs right like you feel it so i think that when i was introduced to hip-hop those are the kind of elements that attracted me in certain particular productions, not necessarily the lyrics, but productions. I was attracted to the production more than lyrics. Like even to this day, like I could listen to a song a hundred times, know the cadence of the beat, you know, the drops, um, you know, the structure, but not remember, you know, most of the the lyrics of the song. I think that that's kind of, that's the answer, you know, to kind of answer the question a bit. So when I got into doing the music that I was going to to do, I would kind of pull from those elements I think that, you know, came from came, came from church, the, the part that make me really feel, you know, that really kind of hits the soul. Um, that's why I think, like, you know, the music that I do make live, it, like, it's soulful, but you can, you can feel it. You know what I mean? So do you think you are primarily still a musician in terms of the composition? Or do you think now that you're more a storyteller or a lyricist? Um, I've, I feel like I moved in the space of where, like, one goes with the other, right? They're almost like, it's the word like synonymous I want to use her. But it's, I went into a space as a producer and composer now. Also a storyteller, you know, um, documenter. It's kind of things like that. So I've, I've learned other ways to express the music or be able to display it, you know, uh, other than on a, on a, on a rap song. You know, perhaps, but it can be the the music to a documentary or to a movie um, or to this very segment that we're recording right now could be the bed music, you know. So I've learned how to explore that and then telling my story, right, which makes me a a storyteller. What was that moment when you realized that you wanted to pursue this more than just a hobby you really wanted to study this and be involved in the making of and the performing of music when was that epiphany how did that emerge this was in high school it it, it hit me in high school so you know we spoke about me having a twin brother 
he was actually a lyricist um, before I was. So I wanted to produce for him, right? Make the beats for him. That's what I wanted to do because he was really good. And but also like you, you have this syndrome when you're younger of like not wanting to do what the other person's doing. Though, like, if you want to do it, then do it, you know. But for me, I was, I was like that a lot of times. I didn't want to. It's like I was copying. So I think that helped me back a lot. So if you're out there, just don't worry about that. Just, just do it, <laughs> you know. Um, so it was, it was in a high school. And I believe like my junior year, I had um, started attending these rap battles at Jonesy's in Houston, Alexander. U UFC champion, uh, former radio host at Power 106.9, currently fighting in the bare knuckles you know league now he has a fight coming up but he was an original b-boy graffiti artist all right hack dance crew like he's really hip-hop and um so he will host these rap battles at jonesy's and i think they're like maybe tuesday nights or they're just weeknights during during the weeknights during the week and so me and my brother go down there and then my brother started to compete in the competitions and he would you know start to win so he had like a you know just consecutive you know win win streaks right and he ended up being a part of Houston's music collective called Hustle Music. So for me, I think at that point, once I like start to be around that and then would travel with them to regional shows and then get to see like artists like Goody Mob, you know, Big Gip and people I've listened to, I was just like, man, this is, you know, this is real. You know, you can feel it. You know, it's a kind of energy. Just like when you see how the crowd responds to an artist or how to respond to just a feel, you know, it's like, man, that energy so for me, at that moment, I said, okay, this, this is something I want to, I want to take a, a, a deeper dive into. So let me, let me start working on music production, right? You know, I, at that time, I didn't consider myself much of like a, a songwriter. I, I hadn't wrote any raps yet, you know, but you know, you, you, you can recite lyrics from songs, like from your favorite songs. And that's kind of how maybe you develop your rap style. So it, it kind of went that way. Now, after I got out of high school, my brother continued to pursue music went to different colleges though i stayed in the city he went to wayne state he'll come back in town and then you know record do shows and things like that at the time i didn't understand how the studio process worked i hadn't been in no studio so i didn't really understand how engineering worked right let alone like really understanding how making the beats work so for me coming from like the era hip-hop that i was introduced to like you know, these producers was making using npcs sps and you know these different types of hardware well, I couldn't afford that, right? Until things cost like $2,000, $2,500, you know what I mean? It's like to get, just to get and like not to use it. So I remember, I remember like the first time I was able to, to get me an NPC, I spent $1,200 on that thing. And I didn't know how to use it, right? And I ended up like selling it for like 400 bucks, you know? But now I got an NPC, now I know how to use it. So, you know, it's funny how that works. So you realize that this was something you wanted to pursue more uh, both professionally but also to understand it to, to know how the studio and the equipment worked and it all came together you went to UNO I think for a while to study I did and then you went from there to Arizona mm -hmm. uh, specifically to the Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences would you just explain a little bit more about about that journey and what it was that you you learned in the process yeah so you had asked me like when did it like really click so at UNO, I, I find myself just like not going to, I was like skipping classes to, to, to work on production, right? And, and record, you know, and then I would, then I would, then, then I would come to school and I was doing mad radio. So now I play my stuff on the, on the radio, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Just to kind of see, you know, get a reaction to see, you know, see, see, see a reaction. 
and that was that was a good experience for me. I was able to kind of work my music on the audience and see if it, you know, is good or not. So being in a music tech program is what I was in at UNO. And it was more, um, to me, it was more um, analog at the time than digital. I had invested my first refund check in buying Pro Tools, a Mac, you know, a whole studio setup. So I wanted to learn how to use Pro Tools. My instructor was, you know, uh, talk about, you know, the very science of making the sound. So I tell you what, before I before I started going to UNO, I already had applied for this school in Arizona and got in. And so I was going to go there first, but I didn't have the support for my family or, you know, it's like, oh, what are you doing? Da, da, da. You know, like they didn't understand what I was trying to pursue. And that's a hard thing, too, when you're younger and you're trying to hold on to this like this dream or this, this idea. But if people don't understand it, sometimes they can like they can just break it down so much then where you don't you don't even see it anymore. Understand it. That almost happened to me, right? I was so hurt by this story, really. And so, fine. Went to UNO. I didn't like it. This school called me back up. And maybe like a couple years later, maybe a few or four years later. At this point, I'm like being a career student at UNO, right? Because I'm like, every other semester, I'm like on academic probation, right? Because like I just wasn't interested in all the other stuff. So, the school called me back in Arizona and said, are you still interested in going? I ain't tell nobody, Stuart. <laughs> I was out the door, you know? And so I left, you know, and then I went to, to Arizona to the Conservatory School of Recording Arts and Sciences. You pursued that academically, mm-hmm. but it feels to me as if before then, during then, and probably up till now, you have been experimenting with what is the potential for either the equipment you have or what you can perhaps do with other tools and equipment at at your disposal. So how have you developed your experimentation with what is possible? The whole, you know, the whole point is going to school is to, is to learn more, educate yourself, to have, you know, these like skill sets. So being there introduced me just to other avenues, Um, but also, you know, just having that access and the space and opportunity to experiment and to try and try and try. That's what the school was for, right? So, you know, by the time you get out of there, you, you kind of have, a, have an idea of where you want to take this in. There's, you know, there's different avenues, you know. You can go into sound engineering. You can go into studio engineering. You can go into um, video gaming. You can go into post-production movies. You can go into radio. You can go into um, TV, you know, you, all, all these all these other ways you can go, you know. And I think by me just really just having a love for music, like I knew first, that's the area I wanted to I went to experiment more in, you know, and then seeing where where music is used. Right. And then where engineering skills are needed. So I, I think being able to experiment with those things. And then when I by the time I came back, I kind of, you know, look for those type of opportunities or maybe create them. How is your music? developed over time then so you said that before going off to study you were more focused on the music and the composition and the beats and so on Mm -hmm. and you didn't see yourself as a lyricist but you you did talk about how that has evolved a little more into lyrics and stories what are some of the themes that you're trying to express or explore with your music Mm. you know i think i'm at um a space where I want to catch people up 
to me, right? You know, I have a, I have a journey, but you know, one song can't tell my story and one conversation can't either. I'm interested in how I am displaying the art, you know, not so much just like, okay, the music's out, like stream it. How am I presenting it? Each track can be broken down into just a, a song. There's, there's artwork with it, right? There's visual, video, um, there's lyrics, so type font, you know, and then you have the, the sound. So for me, I want to, you know, continue to explore the possibilities. Like I came across, the, um, like sound to paint, like paint that makes sounds. Yeah. That's where we're at now, you know? <laughs> so for me now, like I said, like, you know, when I went, so I'll tell you what, I started freestyling more when I went to junior college. And when I got in at the UNO, you know, I was kind of freestyling, you know, just kind of working on Even when I released my first project, I feel like I was still kind of raw as a, as a, as a lyricist, but man, I was really inspired by Jay Dilla, Kanye, and, um, Odyssey and these guys were beat makers and rappers. Pete Rock too, you know what I mean. So I made it a point though to 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 get better. Focus on certain things, cadences, pace. What am I saying? Figure out what are you talking about. When you first start off, like, and you're like hungry, and you're talking about like other things. You're like trying to tell people what you're going through to like to get there. That you know the hunger, the hunger raps and stuff. But Stuart, I, I've I've put out like twelve projects, man. Right? You know, I've started businesses. I've like done a lot of different things. So for me, it's, it's more interesting now, where I can look back and be like, oh, if you go from my first record until like now, like you can actually like listen to the the rise. You know what I mean? So I'm more the music I'm putting out now. Like it puts everything in context. So the the, the new project I'm gonna put out, you know, puts everything in context. It, it makes my previous work make more sense. Would you perhaps just expand on that a little bit more then? What is this new project and how does it make sense of this broader context that you're alluding to? Mm. You know, I would speak like in the future previously. You know, you, you could speak of like things that you want, but now it's like, oh no, I did, I, I did this, I did that, I did this, did this, right? You could speak on that like metaphorically. Metaphors are different now, right? I got a whole nother language. When we're talking about community building in a nonprofit world, you know, I mean, metaphors like a flip like that, you know, talking about, you know, saying while cast is still talking about, you know, things that aren't uplifting. You know, I got a whole nother set of vocabulary to use. Right. But also, again, my life is different. You know, I could talk about that and it can actually be like adding to the inspiration. You know what I'm saying? From like, oh, if you followed the Marcy's journey. Right. You know, you know, and for me, it's it's like, you know, I do this for like people who really support me, like fans. Right. So like they know that's how I feel like the sound. Right. You just evolve. You you want to be more instrumental. You want to add more to it. Right. You know, so you have more elements, more live percussion, more live piano or, you know, different artists, you know, those type of things like that. So I feel like. With this project particularly, I just added more elements than I've than I than I've done before. Just taking my time more, and again, like been in a different space where I don't feel rushed, I feel more re- more relaxed. But here's the thing: sometimes, right, like things can change for you, and then sometimes, like your drive can change, and that's for some people. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they get to where they want to get, so like 
now like what they're putting out just like okay right you know and i don't want to you know i don't want to do that you know so i'll wrestle i'll wrestle with with that too does it sound like something i used to you know is this you feel me is this is this progressing like or am i coming from a, a space that i'm out of and my my brother my twin brother's like he's, he had to tell me the other day like man you made it like like he's like yo can relax you know what i mean and but that just puts me in a different kind of mind mind space like i was saying like oh that's a lot more stuff i could talk about now i know a lot more about community building than i did before so i feel like this is a good segue then into that idea of community building because in some ways you're talking about how you have grown your experimental your creative boundaries um you've expanded your reach as it were mm. as a creative artist and you will continue to do that but part of that is being fueled by the world around you and what inspires mm. you what drives you and so i want to turn just a little bit to begin talking about culture house and how perhaps that has um been an outforming of mm. your own personal growth your own creative growth Perhaps I should just ask you to start by explaining what is Culture House. Yeah, Culture House is, um, you know, with something you just said made me think like, Culture House is like me outgrowing myself, you know, if that makes any sense. And so now it's, everything is just outward because I can't keep it in anymore. Like all kind of creativity or, you know what I'm saying? That's how, that's how, that's how big my thoughts are. But just spending time on this scene, being out of town, coming back, and just kind of seeing what's possible and knowing everything I learned, everything I learned in school, those type of things, like I use daily at, at Culture House. Culture House, again, is is an, an extension of me, but it is a creative space. So I feel like we're one of kind of one of the first people to really use that term, like creative space, and like really like put context to it. What that really means, it's a space that you can go to, right? You can meet people that either have the same vision as you or somewhere close to it, right? But you know, you, you can network, find some resources, find some edu, find some education, you know. But also being in in a space that's like motivating and um, in, in inspiring, you know, uh, a certain type of energy in there, right? And how it started was just using art as a quick win. Um, and when I say art is a quick win, this is like a, a, a term that we learned when we were doing this corridor study forever north on 24th Street. The backstory of how I got to 24th Street and got to the Culture House was that being being a part of a project, right? Just incubating ideas and activating spaces. So again, activating spaces is taking a space that's not being used and not necessarily having a business plan for it, but you just turn the lights on and then you just start doing things in it, right? And that's how Culture House has started. And that's what we're doing. Um, it's programming all types of art things, art, art shows, concerts, galleries, workshops, block parties, and then um, rental space. Right. So, you know, we've we followed, we've kind of stuck to that because being in a space like, OK, that's what people m mostly need or, you know, what I'm saying use and whatnot. So, again, so we started that in like 2018, then moved to our new location, uh, which is across from Heart Ministries. So I spent the year incubating that idea. I, I did a couple of Shark Tanks. Like, I knew nothing about pitching a business. I knew nothing about a business plan, right? This is where the artist, like, you realize, like, oh. Then you get it. Like, oh, okay. You, some business starts to make sense, even as an artist. So then, like, I could take that 
just knowing that right and then be like oh well you have to treat yourself like that as as a musician the same way too. set up your LLC so you can make money and things like that right so it makes you think about it another way too and this is why like I'm so like just focused on like just trying to help artists get resources because this stuff they don't know I have to learn stuff the hard way right you know and it's imagine if like when people say that they want to do this then they have the know-how right there resources talk to this person go to this website fill out this get you started right you know just like no starter kit to being an artist you know what i mean and it's one of the industries that you can just like get in without no prereqs you just say you are and then you just are it reminds me of something you said earlier which was about you sensing a lack of support from your family and friends when you wanted to go to arizona Mm -hmm. the first time that opportunity presented itself that was upsetting for you to not take that opportunity when it first came around and it's always I feel as if you're describing Culture House as a place to make opportunity visible to people that don't see those opportunities as real, practical, or even possible. Yep, absolutely. And like every week, someone's like, I didn't know this was here. Uh, a younger person, I'm like, oh, I got to come back. And the elder, like, oh, I wish this was here when I was, when I was younger, you know? And then that's the thing, being able to make it like, like tangible. Like you can, you can see it. You know, that's the difference. I wrote a song the other day and I was just talking, you know, I kind of had a lyric about like why people leave because they don't see nothing to be, you know what I mean? And so for me, like, that's what we were trying to show a representation of like, Hey, no, there's opportunities for creative here. Right. But the opportunity is going to become more where you're actually going to be entrepreneur first. Culture house. The word culture is spelled C U L X R. Um, a deliberate choice. Could you perhaps give some context to that? Yeah, I just, you know, I want to be revolutionary. I love the X, you know, and I, I felt like that that fitted well, you know, and really that's just what, that's just really how simple it was. I didn't, I, I didn't want the same spelling as, as culture because, um, you know, you do a Google search and then boom. So I'm thinking about SEOs and being on top of the searches and things like that. So being unique in our way, if you notice our website, culture dot house that's it there's no dot com it's culture dot house you know what i mean so i I just feel like um you know we're just being innovative in the summer of 2020 george floyd was murdered and there were protests across the country including in omaha culture house served in some capacity as a uh, a nerve center as it were um for some of those activities and community gatherings community sort of grief and activism how did culture house as an organization how did culture house as a community come together to i think confront an issue that was maybe bigger than you'd anticipated in 2018 yeah i think that with with that we had an organic uh grassroots like following and um come with hip-hop and like in arts, I I think you already have like a kind of a political sense, right? You just kind of do. You're in your in, in your sense. You're rebellious, or you're, you know. What I mean, I just feel like that comes with all artists. Like you have a, you just kind of look at things differently, right? But also, you like you're gonna take stance in your own kind of way as an artist. That's what it's always been like. That's what artists has always reflected times, right? They always write about it, talk about it, or or it's in a painting to represent what's going on. So for me. Um, 
you know, and I had to, the story after I had to process it after it all happened. Like, as it's happening, you, you know, you can't really pinpoint how it happened or why it happened like that. You just got to be like, okay, well, it was a mission, right? That was greater than all of us. We had our doors open. Black kid was killed. We're right in the black neighborhood, right? We're in the hood, man. You know, you kind of put these things together, then it makes sense, right? Where, where people should go support. Had this been somewhere in West Omaha, wouldn't have been the same effect. Northern South Omaha or Dundee wouldn't have been the same effect. But it's because it all looked right. Now, mind you, you know, we're going through a period where there's a lot of white guilt. Um, George Floyd already happened. You know what I mean? So, and it's talking about leading up to the James, James Scarlett and us, you know, organizing and things like that. So, this is how we end up developing a, another type of community. We had one already that was more based around, around the arts. But then you had, like, like, people from everywhere, man, all over the city, all types of colors, you know what I'm saying, races, uh, that wanted to participate in this in this movement. So, I think, like, when you look at those things and people want to be a part of what's really happening we were the central hub so everybody just kept coming this way you know but also like our messenger was on point we use our art as activism we had the the best creative space the space that you could come in and like debrief and and cry and sweat and after a long day and talk about these things right and you feel safe in there you know what I mean? So it was kind of that environment, that vibe and the hospitality and like, all you know, all those kind of things, uh, which led to people coming back and just wanting to continue to support it. It feels as if some of these threads that I mentioned at the beginning start to tie back amongst themselves now mm -hmm. because a collaborative, community-driven, artistic outforming that emerged from all of these experiences was the album that was recognized as album mm -hmm. of the year by the Omaha Arts and Entertainment Awards, mm -hmm. Culture House Freedom Summer. Mm -hmm. Would you tell us a little bit more about that? And and to set that stage, I want to give you a quote that, that you shared about this, which is, the Culture House family helped to pull people together, inspiring the community to talk about what needed to happen in order to evoke both global and local change. So I'm curious about the sort of motivation and the intentions behind the album. Okay, so the motivations and intentions behind the album, um, Saddle Creek Records reached out and they wanted to do an album. I wasn't going to do an album based off of that summer. Like for me, I didn't like I didn't want to do anything oppressive. I didn't want to do anything out of that for like um, for anyone else's gain or. You know, at the time, I, you know, like I, you start to feel away being, you know, being a black person and like, okay, well, only time these cameras are down here is to talk about this boy getting killed or, you know, something like negative. So, like, I didn't, with the project, I didn't, you know, I told him, like, I wasn't trying to make a uh, revolutionary, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like compilation record like that. To me, I didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to do that. Reason why is because I've like courted Saddle Creek Records before and they weren't interested then, you know. So then now they're interested in this entity, this product because it grew. Marsh H grew, right? You know, so for me, it's like, all right, we're not going to do it on your terms, right? We'll do it on the way that I want to do this record. 
You know what I mean? So we agreed to do a, a record, you know, a deal with a record with the option to do more in the future, if, you know, if they want. So me, I took the opportunity to say, all right, let me invest in artists that's helped Culture House grow, then also invest in artists that's helped the, the music scene grow. And that's how we got the combination of the artists that we got, some established and some that people I ain't never heard of. And so that's how it, the idea came together. The vision was to create this record during this time and reflect on the times. So clearly, you know, but also the artists, they have to be themselves, you know, so make your kind of music, right? And every song is going to be about protesting. Like, we don't make protest music, you know what I mean? No, we make conscious music, right? You know, um, make good music. So that's the first thing I wanted to do when releasing a record, just make, just make a good album. I've heard you mentioned before a moral code when it comes to making and listening to music you have an intentionality mm -hmm. behind that and so what does that mean for you what does having a moral code around your music mean for you well you have to think about how music affects the listener um, the frequencies that a beat carries that affects your chakras right so with me learning the science and just kind of learning a lot more about strategy, conditioning, these type of things, I'm just very conscious of it, right? So when I first came out as an artist, I said, okay, what kind of artist are you going to be? All right, I'm not going to talk about drugs. I'm not going to talk about, and I may reference them. Like I've done things like, you know, saw some things here and there, done, you know what I'm saying? Like hustle a little bit, you know what I mean? We've done these things, right? I've done these things, but it's nothing to glorify, right? But I made reference to it because that was a part of my life. Um, but again, like, you know, we, we want to have representation to me. That's the most important thing right now is how positive, right? How in a good light can I show how, what we're capable of doing? So yeah, with that comes a code. I have three kids, right? They got to hold me to it. I got to, you know, hold myself to a standard as well. You know what I mean? Um, but, but then when you represent, you know, a community and you represent, you know, this genre of music, that I really hold deeply tomorrow in hip hop. I feel like, you know, you just can't, you gotta be a standard, you gotta be morals to it. We talked earlier about church and I'm pulling some of these threads again, as I said earlier, together. And so this importance of language around community, around um, the power of music, around a place where people can be creative about your own growth, I see these things weaving together, but I'm wondering where they emerge. So this is my way of inviting you to talk a little bit more about what was your childhood context? Now, you've talked a little bit about having a family background in the church, but what was what was your childhood like? My childhood was like, uh, to, you know, these days I feel like I, I feel like an overgrown child. I feel like I missed I feel like I missed some joyfulness there. Everything was like so serious. Right. So just to go back. My parents divorced. I believe I was about second grade, and so um, you know I had a, I had a, just a different experience. I certain things I just didn't witness growing up, and you know in the house, a uh, certain kind of love or a certain kind of relationship between a mother and father, uh, which which still affects me to the, you know to this day. I'm pulling from the past of so traumas and stuff, and triggers and flags and stuff. You know, as we get older, we start knowing where this comes from. <laughs> you know, so it's like, gosh, you suppress a lot. You, f you forget things on purpose, you know, then you have certain conversations like with you, which 
unlock these memories. You know, you're like, oh, wow. You know, these things came from these things came from there. So, um, again, so it was it was it was always two sides of the fence with me. You know, I'm always at my mom or my mom's and grandparents, which is, you know, which was a few blocks from Coach House. Or I'm, I'm with my dad on his side of the family, which was just off of 49th and Fort. So I'm still on the north side, you know, just different neighborhoods. So, like, my grandparents stayed in the gang neighborhood. When I'm down there, I'm, you know, we hanging around with, you know, people who think they tough or either just, you know, just being in an environment. So, you know, running around and, you know, maybe shots, you know, gunshots, uh, maybe just a lot of broken glass or things like that. You're trying to play in the park or, you know, uh, or just like, like, you know, fights and just typical stuff, man, growing up and, you know, growing up. But um, I think that having to always go to church on Sunday, they keep you straight. Right. But then having grandparents that were, you know, kind of stern, they ain't gonna let, they're not going to let you fall off like that. You know, and my dad was really stern. Like, he ain't going to have to let me be out here trying to be no gangster. You know what I'm saying? Won't going to let me, you know? So it's not you about to be, you about to have your buddy, on, you know, in church on Sunday. So, I mean, no, I don't go to church these days, but church can keep you in check. And, and so now I understand control mechanisms now because the world would be total chaos if we didn't have them. Right. So they do give people perspective and then a certain kind of moral and like standard to live by. So I think I kind of got those things from from church. But again, like you know, I I saw a lot of foul things in church, a lot of a lot of division, a lot a lot of lies and deceit. As 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 a kid, I felt like I was always lied to, you know, and just as an you know as an adult. So um, that I developed like trust issues very early, you know, like love issues very early, things like that. Um, and I was. Uh, you know, like this, an a introvert, almost like a, you know, kind of like a loner kid, just really, really shy, not a lot of confidence because like when nobody building me up, you know, I was the last born. My dad had sickle cell anemia, so he was always sick. When I was born, my mom already had a nervous breakdown, right? So like she wasn't well. I don't remember a time that she ever really was well. You understand? She passed early this year. So, um, uh, and like me and my mom grew really tight. So again, growing up with my dad, was very strict, he was always kind of sick. So my aunties would take care of me and things like that. Or my grandparents would. Got to high school and uh, me and my dad just got into it a lot, you know? So I left the house and I would just live with my mom. That's when my mom really started to develop our relationship. You know, like my mom was always a, the black sheep um, of, the, of, of the family. and. My, you know, on my dad's side, I didn't get to see her that much. But, you know, people in the family was always saying stuff about her, trying to make me like, as if they're trying to turn me on my mom, you know? And that just only made me like gravitate closer to her. And as I got older, I got to understand my mom and understand her story. A lot of times, as kids, you, you don't get to choose at all. There's no instructions when you're born. Like, you don't get to choose who you're born to. You just don't. Nor are your parents going to tell you everything of why the family dynamics is like this. What's the big secret, right? What's the big secret that's, 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 that's holding this thing up? Why I don't know more cousins? How come I don't, you know, how come I don't know more family members, you know, because certain sides and certain families get shut off because it's family secrets. So that's something I learned about, man. Uh, really, really, really big ones that I felt like really um, destroyed, like destroyed my family, destroyed the church, things like that. I really appreciate you sharing all of that. And I do want to say I'm sorry to hear about the loss of your mother. So that's sad, and I'm sorry to hear that. Mm. 
you mentioned a few things that I that I think are extremely interesting in perhaps how you live your life now and how you are creatively active now. Um, one of those that I want to explore is around collaboration. Mm. You, you appear to be a highly collaborative artist, and Zoboy, uh, also known as Donald Profound, seems to be a key collaborator for you, mm. so it shows up there. I also want to quote something that you said at a Creative Mornings event, and you said, to simply put it, I love connecting people to their purpose. So this seems to be a big part of you, and yet you said that as a kid you were quite introverted and you were looking around in some ways for, you know, where's where's the love that isn't being shown in certain places in my life? And I, I just wonder how being collaborative now is a reflection of that and how you've been informed as a collaborator by your collaborators. Yeah, I, I think as an adult, I'm acting out now, really. And um, like when I say acting out, like, in it, like, it's, like it's in a good way. I'm like, I'm, <laughs> yeah, so... And, you know, when, when you say that, it, it, it makes sense to me. Like, yeah, I'm trying to show all these people things that maybe I didn't, I wasn't shown, you know, um, maybe, maybe that's why, like, I, I care for so many people or, you know, and I think it's, I think it stems from that. You know, it's not like a big science to it. It's just like second in me, you know, it's, I don't know why I do it, you know what I mean? But it feels good, you know. <laughs> It feels like there's some secret sauce, though. Yeah. I mean, I, I think about your collaboration with Zoe Boy, yeah. and, um, you know, that, that feels to be inspirational for mm. you both. And yeah. I, I wonder, you know, is there a secret sauce there? Nah, <laughs> it's not. Like with Zoe, that's like my guy. So, you know, there's just a chemistry, right? And, you know, it's typically me going in there producing a track. And either we do it, either we... In the, in the studio at the same time writing or I'll probably write before him record and then he come in and then just like kind of finish and like the sauce really is just like me producing it right and then maybe the order that we approach the track whether he's going first or I'm going first or who's doing the hook this time and again that's like Shaq and Kobe it's like uh, or Scotty and MJ like type of thing so like when we get in, when we get on the court it's like always like yeah, we already know how each other ball Right, so we know how to pass it to each other just right when to when to set each other up for the for the score, you know what I mean? Give the assist or whatnot. So, um, yeah, I felt that way. But any collaboration, I always feel like has to have leverage. I not always tell anybody this. I've always said this to people, like some like when people are like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm going to work with this person. I've paid this person. It's kind of like, okay, well, what kind of leverage does this person have in the first place, right? You know, then why are you why are you doing it? So I don't ever really do a collaboration unless I'm trying to brand something or I'm trying to benefit from the collaboration with the person who maybe has a bigger platform or uh, another set of audience or whatnot. So it's got to be intention for any collaboration or partnership. Let's listen to a track, Freefall, that you created and shared with us, which features collaborators Zoboy, aka Donald Profound, and beautiful day. Yeah, check uh, I missed a term yet one time, listen to different features. Rhyme keeper, saw men of different sneakers. Came a long way from gaming a whole scene up. Raleigh Science Project major, nothing between us. Nice today, get it out the way. Tomorrow ain't promise I give a gift away. 
stay on point, take a loss, sound, lose much Keep my family tight, my 85 got a new clutch uh, One time if you feel it's though And one time for my, yo One time for the homies that get out One time for the catches that be running routes uh, Hit my thoughts, I like to take a few Thank God I ain't a hate a few Play y'all, so I'm gon' play ball Shake this shit up like the Lakers when I play y'all Keep it tight though Everybody want that night, yo Can't complain, I like the night glow Without permission, take a nice stroll Kings and queens, skies and ground Age is a royalty without a crown Loyalty known around the globe And our fables told Round tables made of gold Said the days are new with the nights of old It seems divine with me in minds like Me, I'm fine, how are you and yours? A few hours past noon and the moon absorbs Truth ignored, poured through a filter Stand and administer that bland elixir Name brand liquor, quicker intravenous Figure out a method to the madness of a genius Riddle to enigma, quandary to conundrum Signals and insignia, symptoms of insomnia The secrets of inertia, resistance pushes further Funny, the louder we get, the atler they ain't heard us Free fall, A, and I just might not land Safe on solid ground, hope it don't take on don't waste my space and time while I free for A And I just might not land safe on solid ground Hope it don't take all night Please don't waste my space and time while I free for A And I just might not land safe on solid ground Something else that you were sharing about your childhood that made me think about today mm-hmm. And how you have sort of lived into your life and that is to see Culture House as your church. You created your own church, mm. but it's your form of a church in the form of Culture House. Mm-hmm. We were talking about the language of metaphor. Maybe this is stretching the metaphor a bit too far. I don't know. But how do you how do you feel about that, about Culture House being your version of a secular church, as it were? <laughs> it's funny because our, our building is in a former church. You know, so I grew up in church, so I, I just understand the metaphor. You know, it's the concept of it's a place to come, uh, and it's a place to to heal. It's a place to be inspired. It's a place to learn more about yourself too. You know, you come as a come as a seeker. You know, student at the same time. How I feel about it is, it's almost working just like how it's it's supposed to. It's just been a blessing in a sense, you know, I could just put it that way. Do you recognize that you are increasingly seen as a leader in, I was going to say the community, but I think there are so many variations of our communities around mm-hmm. us. Yeah. But clearly in many of them, you are being seen increasingly as a leader. And I wonder if you recognize yourself in that. I I do. Yes, I I recognize myself as a leader, and um, OG as some of the others put it, you know, and it's it's like you don't feel right, and and I don't think you ever do. I just think you have to just step into who you who you are, the role you play. So that's what I do, you know. And I think it's the things that keep me humble. A lot of people want me to, you know, be over. Um, like zealous or 
And for me, it's, 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 it's not that, you know, and it's just certain things that keep, that keep me humble. What keeps you humble? <laughs> um, is, is, is that any, like any day, right? You know, things can, can be taken from you, right? And, um, these, these days aren't, they're not, they're not promised or guaranteed, but like, there's always someone who doesn't, who doesn't have what you have. And like, you ain't, you ain't saved the world. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's good to celebrate these short wins and, you know, and for me, like, I never asked for much when I got here. So everything has been a bonus. You know what I mean? It's been a bonus. And it's it's so much greater when you don't have such high expectations. And when you do, you're gonna you you get disappointed, I think, either. So I think this is what keeps me humble, man. It's just not having the highest expectations, but just having a lot of confidence. What is making you feel really alive? That sense that you really are thriving in your life. You know, doing things like sitting down and being able to tell my story in a more articulate way. Um, being able to enjoy some of these fruits. You know what I mean? When I get to play a stage at Maha. Honestly, like, I feel most alive when I'm in that element. Again, all this is extra. We we did organizing and protesting out of uh it was necessary right it's necessary but that's not where like my career path was that's not what motivated me when i was 18 years old or 17 years old you know so it's still going to be the same thing that got me here which is being able to immerse myself in just art friday i locked myself in the studio from 7 a.m till 11 p.m right i just needed to do it <laughs> I produced three tracks recorded too, right? I just needed to do it. I felt alive, man. I just needed to do it. <laughs> now I could get back to you know, I now I could get back to the other things, right? <laughs> My guest today has been the recording artist, music producer, and sound engineer, and also the founder of Culture House, Marcy Yates. Marcy, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Really, thanks. Lives is hosted and produced by me, Stuart Chittenden, and brought to you by KIOS, Omaha Public Radio. The music you hear playing in and playing out is performed by Andrew Bailey. Podcasts of today's show and others can be found at livesradioshow.com or where you get your podcasts. Subscribe today and please leave a review. Join me next week as we delve further into the practical and profound possibilities of living well. Thanks for listening. <laughs>